podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. All right, we are recording this a day after Real Madrid beat Liverpool in the Champions League final to win the 14th trophy, and we're sitting at Hotel Marina in Paris in a beautiful scenic. I can't even describe how beautiful the scene is. The weather is gorgeous. We're on a patio. Eduardo has an expensive glass of wine, and I have a green tea. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to talk about yesterday. And I'm really curious, Eduardo, compare this one. Let's start here. Compare this final to the other final you were also at in Paris in 2000. Can you speak about your experience in both? It, we know like there was a gong show with the security and stuff, and that was a yeah. bad scene. But the atmosphere inside the stadium. Well, the, the other final was a Spanish final, was uh, Real Madrid versus Valencia. So it was kind of a party. It was a huge party. And, and I never thought that I was going to have a ticket for that. And I got one last second. So it was kind of a gift. And I didn't expect anything. And uh, we had one two years earlier after 32 years without a title. So I wasn't really... It didn't feel like a duo, It didn't feel like a do-or-die match. It was... Okay, if we win, that's fine. If we lose, it's no big deal. This one, to me, was a lot more important because it would be the perfect uh, ending for a really, really outstanding season. And not winning, it was, it was going to be really disappointing because I thought this team uh, evolved so much and uh, grew, grew in such an amazing way that it would be really disappointing not to win. And, so when, when I was at the stadium, I saw uh, there were less, less Real Madrid fans, but it was a decent showing. And, uh, and then I thought, uh, we need to do this. We, we need to pull this off. Even if, we're, even if they have a, a, a pretty scary team, uh, I was still confident. We were talking about this before we started, but that... After the first 20-25 minutes went by without uh, Liverpool scoring, uh, I thought this this has uh, all the makings of us winning more than them scoring. Yeah, I I think uh, not winning this game, although wouldn't have been an embarrassment or a shame necessarily. And you and I were talking before the game, like regardless, it's a, it's a season to celebrate. Not winning it also, I feel like if you look back on it like 10 years from now and saw that we didn't win the Champions League title in 2022, we would have like, oh, that's a shame because we had one of the greatest runs, if not the greatest run to the final. Yeah. And so this just to ice it. And it was kind of the way we won it also was a little bit emblematic to me of the season as a whole because I can't like single out any player and say they played bad. It was everyone was good last night. I mean, yeah. I can start. We can pick, pinpoint yeah. like, okay, this yeah. player made a mistake here, whatever. But yeah. but everyone was good from Modric to Cruz to Casemiro to Courtois, obviously to Carvajal to Benzema to Vinicius to the people who came off the. Everybody, everybody was good, and it was just a nice seal on the season because it the season was a symbol of collectivism and unity. Like it was just. It was a beautiful way to win it. Even though it wasn't anticlimactic, there was no huge comeback. I felt relatively at ease during the whole thing because I was just like, I think we got this. Even when Courtois was pulling out these miracle saves, I was like, I felt pretty easy about yeah, it. Yeah, and we, when we got the, the goal ruled out, mm. uh, which any other team would have 
succumbed, but to us, it was the beginning of a, of a pretty decent phase in the match right before the interval and after the interval. Kind of uh, helped us to, to control proceedings a lot more than, they, than, than, than we were yeah. before. Uh, I think uh, one very important uh, element that wasn't mentioned before the match is that this was the first time in pretty much all the knockout stages that we had the full starting lineup healthy. Yeah. Uh, healthy, 100% yeah. healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some other times, Mendy was playing but was not fit, obviously. Yeah. Um, Carvajal wasn't playing, or Militao wasn't playing, or Alaba was injured, or Cross. This was the first time we had the full team, and the game plan was absolutely successful. Because everyone, as you said, played out of their minds in terms of um, not only offense but also defense. And, and we've seen players who were uh, extremely in, in, in poor shape in some... Like I'm thinking Carvajal. Carvajal's performance last night was absolutely outstanding. Facing Luis Diaz, who got me scared yeah. <laughs> shitless. Yeah. Well before the match started, yeah. And Carvajal was fantastic, and we haven't seen this Carvajal. I think in terms of Carvajal, just this. I'm gonna take this tangent, but Carvajal's season changed after the Chelsea match when he started. When we had to play centre back and did it well. After that, he's been a different player and a terrific one. He's been the Carvajal of three, four seasons ago. It's like the the Carvajal that I grew up loving <laughs> even though I didn't grow up with him but like what I loved most about Carvajal is always that like you know we always talk about when Ramos left who's the next leader I always mention Carvajal not because he's Sergio Ramos but because he was always that guy like 2016-17 he wouldn't back down from anyone Yeah. he would fight Yeah. yeah. he would stand yeah. up to anyone yeah. he would defend and uh, yeah. and so even like uh, that center back game against Chelsea I actually think that he made a few mistakes as a center back understandably yeah. so but I didn't criticize him for it because he was laying his life on the pitch and that's the stuff that made Carvajal so great yeah. and he had that again and so yeah. to have that version of Carvajal back is <laughs> a little bit of a cliche but it's almost like a new signing we were yeah. so worried about the right back position yeah. so if he can yeah. stay healthy yeah. next season it's, like it's a game changer yeah. I, I was I was thinking Diaz, this is not the fullback you find on the Premier League every weekend. No, and, and, and he felt that. It was obvious. He was rattled at some point. Yeah. And he ended up being subbed because he was not being able to to get to Carvajal's back. It was, it was fantastic. I would also argue, like, Salah versus Mendy. Although Salah yeah. got a bunch of shots up. I think he had, like, yeah. nine shots, which is yes. crazy. Um, <laughs> I knew that that was going to be a key matchup. I thought Mendy did well on that Mendy side. Mendy did very well, very well. And and the only the only occasion in which Salah got the better of him, Mendy did well as well. But Salah was brilliant, which is the last save that Courtois made with his forearm, which is an amazing save. Unbelievable. The way that Salah controls the ball from a really tough pass, and then Mendy is on him, and Salah tries to dribble and moves forward and. And he ends up shooting with his right foot because Mendy forces him to go right. I mean, Mendy's defending is very good, but Salah was really outstanding. And it's only because our goalkeeper is probably the best in the world right now that 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 we didn't concede. Yeah, that's an amazing save. But but it took Salah 
the best display of his ability to actually get uh, get over Mendy. Uh, Mendy did very well all match, and we're a different back four with with Mendy than without Mendy. With a healthy Mendy, yeah, it's a yes. completely game. It's a game changer. Yeah. I, I also think like staying on the topic of that side. You know, a lot of people say, well, Vinicius had one shot, one goal, etc. The guy was phenomenal defensively. He yeah. worked so hard yeah. defensively. And that's the thing yeah. with the, the thing, the fact that he can, like, like he had that one moment of brilliance against Fernandinho in the City game, first leg. He had this one moment this time. How many, how many forwards and attacking strikers, attacking players would you see if they had one chance a game? They would be so ice cold in that situation. Yes. I mean, look, Vinicius had a pretty easy chance by the end of it. So it's not like it was an impossible shot to convert from. But just generally speaking, I don't know if you saw also the stat. Benzema had his XG for the entire tournament was five. He scored 15 goals. Yes. Unbelievable. Yes. Like, so the fact that we have players who can do that is, is massive. Like the fact that we don't need a player who needs like 10 chances to score a goal. It's perfect for what we're doing right now. Like the fact that we can conserve our energy or defend or, and still have our one moment and convert from it. And no other team in Europe had that this season. No one. Yeah. No one. And I do believe, uh, in terms of expected goals, I know. I mean, it gives me more. It gives you a tool to to understand what happened, and be able to see if, in the areas you were better than your opponent, because you created but and converted, or they created and didn't convert. But I think there's at least five or six plays yesterday that didn't end up in a scoring chance that would have counted in terms of expected goals, Yeah. but that were really close. I'm, I'm thinking of various exchanges of passes on the midfield that depended only on a through ball by Benzema, on a one-two with Benzema and Vinicius to get someone in front of goal. And that had an impact on Liverpool, even if it didn't end up in a scoring opportunity. Yeah. Because yeah. they thought, these guys know how to move the ball. I yeah. mean, they're not just sitting down and sitting back and and, and waiting for us to make a mistake. They know uh, how to find our back, and at some point that's going to cost us. And that, that's what happened with with uh, with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Vinicius. The play of the goal is a very very good play. It's amazing from beginning Perfect. to end. It's uh, <clears throat> the ball moves around. Uh, Modric does an amazing. Uh, makes an amazing decision of going of insisting on the right hand side when he looked like he was going to, to switch sides pass or pass it backwards yes. or a simple pass yeah, yeah. he found a solution to get through yeah. we had five or six of those plays that ended up in Benzema's boots in Vinicius' boots and, and the final pass wasn't quite there but Liverpool in some stretches of the match they felt like we cannot behave the way we would behave normally against uh, an average team. This yeah. is not uh, a team we can just uh, outrun and outclass and, and, and intimidate. I felt that too. I yeah. felt that like, so those there were those moments that don't show up on the shooting chart or shooting map or XG, like as you put it, like there were several sequences where we almost had breaks or just maybe broke down at the last second. But I, I could tell like, it felt like they mentally were starting to process and acknowledge that this... Who they're facing in the final, it's a different beast. It's someone you can't shake or rattle. Like I, I'd be curious to know how Liverpool fans processed the whole ordeal and how confident they were. Because as a Real Madrid fan, and it works out because we won, obviously, but the way I experienced it was like this team, 
doesn't I don't know how much belief they have in actually scoring and tying it. I can give you an example. Uh, the guy next to me in the stadium was a Liverpool fan who was extremely talkative before the match and yeah. during the match up to the moment when Real Madrid scored. Uh-huh. And then he <laughs> he put his hand in his hands, just uh, looked down <laughs> and never spoke again until the end of the match. And I'm telling you, he hadn't stopped for a second. He was talking non-stop. That's like, great. we're doing this, you're doing that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, but the impact of the goal was so hard. He was so confident that they were winning that he couldn't even process that they were trailing, not, yeah. let alone that they were going to lose. The, the, uh, trailing was already something w- that wasn't on his mind. And you could see, his, uh, for all the fame they have and all the you never walk alone, they were largely quiet until the end of the match. They were shell-shocked completely I wanted to bring something else I I feel like in the five minutes to strap it up so my laptop doesn't die a battery but um, one thing I love discussing with you is kind of like these kind of the emotional side of the game the mentality and stuff Ceballos was talking about after the game where um, before the game he was nervous I'm sure you've seen it and he saw Modric and Cruz playing yeah. cards and stuff and then the reports like after in the locker room after the game that Modric is talking about we got to get the 15th all this stuff. And I was thinking about like the mentality that this team has. It's like reminding me a lot of the stuff you see in the last dance when you're watching the Jordan doc of like, okay, yeah. we just keep winning, keep this winning, keep business. going, yeah, keep yeah. going. Yeah. Like there's no like, let's not retire on top. And it's like, we just keep yeah. going until we can. But um, it's kind of weird to say this, but like I think I discussed this with you after the City game. That even though this feels like we have a lot of older players, Marcelo, having a great send-off last night. Yeah. While it doesn't really feel like the closing of a chapter, it feels nope. like maybe we're in the nope. middle of something. And I don't... And I'm trying to process that because we just won five Champions League titles in eight years. That doesn't... I mean, that to me is like a team, if you just told me that, that's like, okay, well, that's a team probably at the end of its cycle now. But this is kind of not, and I don't know how to process that. I don't know if I should... Am I, I don't want to get too excited, but... is that... <clears throat> The important thing is that there is a mixture of youth and experience that can bring us at least for another few years. And, and what I say is, we've included from this spine of the BBC uh, yeah. of Zidane that has evolved into a team that has a similar midfield but with uh, options of the bench that are outstanding and I'm counting Valverde as a starter but uh, he could probably replace one of the Casemiro cross Modric trio it's uh, inevitable we have Camavinga and Ceballos so we have a pretty decent between the three starters and, and the three uh, uh, substitutes we have six outstanding players that can rotate for two or three seasons until Modric retires and the cross retires and then we can bring someone else but to the three the guys that come off the bench, Valverde, Camavinga and Ceballos, the learning experience for them is so huge. Massive, yeah. It's so gigantic yeah. that it's hard not to see them as options that at least will keep us going for a while. And then Vinicius and Rodrigo up front and, uh, and, and a few options at the back, I, I think we're, we're fine. We're, uh, I'm feeling good about it. We're competing for, yeah. a, for a few years. 
obviously we will need a few signings, especially at the back. But this this time should be able to compete for titles for three, four years, even if uh, Modric, Cross, and Casemiro end up retiring in, in the next few years. Yeah. And I was gonna add one more thing uh, about Ancelotti uh, and, and reflecting on how this team is used to play to play this type of games. He said that when the when the kickoff was delayed, he went to the dressing room, yeah. extremely nervous, thinking this is not good for the team. Yeah. We had already made the warm up, everyone was focused, blah blah, yeah. this is gonna take them off the off the match and and and, and he says, I realized that I was the most nervous in the dressing room. Mm. They were fine. Yeah. I was just going nuts. And I thought, if my players are if my players are calm, why am I nervous? Yeah. I mean they calmed me. It was the other the way the other way around. Yeah. I should be telling them to calm down. And they were just fine. So I thought, why worry? Let's yeah. go. Let's do it. I, I wanna make a point about that because um, I've been thinking a lot about my personal comments after the Forno Classical where I was really upset with Ancelotti. <laughs> and I even, I was like, I even, I always try to be so careful and measured in what I say because I don't like to overreact, right? And I even asked the guys on the podcast, I was like, I, I'm, out, I'm out on this guy. Am I overreacting? I should be, like, this was really worrying what we saw. And they were like, no, you're not overreacting. This was really worrying signs, what we, what, what we saw in the field. And I don't know. <laughs> Every single successful manager in Real Madrid history has the exact same attributes. They can form the brotherhood. They avoid, they make sure there's no drama in the media. I mean, the different, maybe the outlier in this is Mourinho, but Mourinho at Mourinho least... Mourinho took the drama to himself. Yes, yeah. exactly. And he formed the brotherhood. Yeah. Like, he, it was us versus them. So it still worked in that sense. I just, I, I'm reflecting on it now because was I wrong? After, I mean, I was wrong after Classical because we had a very successful season. Um... I don't know, maybe maybe the ball bounces differently in one of these games and we're having a different conversation. But sure. I, I do think, I, I'm more convinced now than ever that a club like Real Madrid needs someone who just can avoid the distractions, keep the harmony, and unlock the creativity in the best players in the world. I, I don't know, because I've always been the other side like we need we need someone who, to compete tactically but there's one thing about uh, I, I don't want to blow my own horn but uh, regarding that that piece that I wrote uh, uh, months six weeks ago for managing Madrid talking about this is yeah there is a tactical <laughs> component as well there is yeah and Ancelotti has understood that yeah and because his profile is one of letting players create that fits well with Real Madrid, but it's also that the type of game that these players do is exactly what the Bernabeu enjoys. Go for the kill, go for the goal, yeah. score another one, uh, move quickly, do not take 20 passes backwards, yeah. try to find the open man all the time, yeah. put pressure on the opposition. And if you have to sit back, you have to sit back with the with the intent to punish whenever they make so uh, um, this is not Atletico de Madrid this is if we defend we defend on the uh, on the Real Madrid way and to me even more depressing than the 4-0 against Barcelona was the defeat in Paris to Paris Saint-Germain that was bad 
that to bad. me was even worse because we didn't even try to pass midfield. Yeah. Everyone was uh, defending 90 minutes. That to me was, I do not understand my team playing like that. That got me. Against Barcelona, we had a few chances. We defended like crap and it was a terrible performance, but at least we tried to move forward uh, in a few instances. In Paris, we didn't do anything remotely close to attack. And that's that, that, that's when I, when I got concerned. But Ancelotti, like every other Real Madrid manager that has spent enough time at the Bernabeu, knows that there are some things that are not allowed and that is one of them. Yeah. So, yeah. <coughs> I think the, the 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 way he corrected in terms of the way the team clo- the, the team plays and the way the subs are involved mm. has changed the season for the team. Yeah, completely. And I, that I think I think you put a bow on at the end when you say the way he corrected it because I think to our defense we were saying these things at a time where it was around the Paris game, it was around the Clásico where. We were really worried about what we were saying. He was not rotating. Yeah. He was trusting cross Madrid Casemiro, who were completely out of shape yeah. or out of fitness. And the fact that he's involved, new blood. Yeah. He was working with Asensio a lot. He, Asensio hasn't played at all yep. from after that, at all, unless it was meaningless match or. Uh, so the involvement on Valverde compensated for the lack of fit, lack of fitness. I'm just saying. No, no, Man, yeah, yeah. They, they just can run the way they, re- they did run. Everyone needs help. Yeah. I, I think so. That's the thing. Like the trust has made a huge difference. He's improved. Um, I also think just the, with all due respect to Asensio, just the minor little adjustment of allocating every single second of Asensio to Rodrigo has been a huge improvement. Or Valverde. Or sorry, and yeah, or Valverde, yeah, and depending on the situation, and uh, and also just the incorporation of Kamavinga, even incorporation yeah. of Ceballos was huge. Huge. So I just feel like next season we're actually going to even see more rotations because Ancelotti trusts trusts them now. Yes, they, he yeah. trusts more more people, and he said openly that Kamavinga and Ceballos deserve more minutes. He knows yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, I do believe that it's going to change. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that that is good for us. So I'm going to stop the recording just in case we lose it, and I'm very paranoid about that. So, uh, Eduardo, thank you so much. This was My a pleasure. pleasure. <laughs> uh, this is great. Uh, guys, I love you. Ala Madrid. Uh, this has been memorable, uh, a fantastic experience. Ala Madrid, and congratulations to everybody listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.